Hey guys, and welcome back. This is Diana with My Ride or Die. I will be doing the episode alone this week. Chantal had a crazy busy week and unfortunately cannot make it. I did ask my son and he said he would do the episode with me. And I'll be honest, I did not think he would ever do it again. So he must have had fun that first time, which is awesome. But the story I picked originally is quite long. My triggers are domestic violence, abuse, rape, bestiality, animal abuse, and murder. I just didn't want him to sit through me talking about this. Also, I was in an abusive relationship, and a lot of this just hits too close to home. And he is aware that I was in an abusive relationship a very long time ago. And I just don't want him to hear these details and make him feel uncomfortable. So it's just me tonight. It's just this story. It is a fascinating story and a sad one all at the same time. The source for my story is one this week. It's a book by Brian Vellies, and it is called The Life of Billy. So my story is about Jane Hirschman who was also called Jane Stafford at one point. She was born on January 25th, 1949, to Gladys and Morris Hirschman. Morris was in the Canadian Armed Forces and fought in the Korean War. After the war, Morris began to drink heavily. He would become violent when he drank and would hit his wife and his children. He was arrested once by the military police for striking an officer and was transferred to West Germany. His whole family ended up moving to Europe. Jane would hang out with other military brats and learned to speak German. She traveled around Western Europe and met her first serious boyfriend at the age of 15. He was a Canadian serviceman, a few years older than her. Morris was transferred back to Winnipeg, Canada, and Jane had to say goodbye to her very first boyfriend, who was also treating her extremely well. She hated Winnipeg and wanted to move back to Nova Scotia to live with her grandmother in Liverpool. She said she felt safe there. She just wanted to get away from her very strict, overbearing, alcoholic father. Jane met an older man named Milford. She found out she was pregnant just after her 16th birthday and they got married. That always drives me nuts that people feel they have to get married when they find out they're pregnant. It is not the best thing for you or that child because majority of those marriages, I would say a pretty high percentage, end up in divorce and the parents hating each other. So don't do it, guys. You can co-parent. You don't have to get married. So her new husband was very much like her father and liked to drink and would go out for hours not giving a shit about her or how she felt. Some say she married her dad because that's something that we have a tendency to do and I know I did. She went into labor and her husband was nowhere to be found. She had a friend drive her to the hospital where she gave birth to her son. Her husband was passed out, drunk, and missed the whole thing. He was a drunk, he was unfaithful, yet she stayed and got pregnant with her second son. She did stay with him for another three years, but eventually had enough. In January of 1976, she gave her husband an ultimatum. It's either me and the kids or your booze. So in the book I read, apparently, he picked up a bottle of booze and kissed it. So that was his choice. She did what she had to do and packed up the kids and some of their belongings and headed off to her parents' place. Shortly after, she went back to her husband to tell him she wanted a divorce, but he did not want to get a divorce. 
He wanted to keep the kids, and Jane got the runaround from the local welfare office as a result saying, if you don't have the kids, you don't get any money. Her lawyer did tell her that she didn't really have any grounds for divorce. When did it become not okay to just get divorced? (laughs) That makes no sense. So happy the laws changed. Now, I think it's, well, the last time I looked, if you're separated for, what is it, a year? The other person has no choice. So it's such a load of shit. If you want a divorce, you should be allowed to get a divorce. So I'm guessing it was fear or embarrassment or both, but she didn't tell her lawyer that her husband had been unfaithful because that would have been grounds for divorce. Instead, she had an idea a few weeks earlier. She met a man named Bill Stafford at a New Year's party that she was attending with her husband. Billy and Jane spent time chatting after her husband passed out drunk, which was very typical for him. She confided in Bill and told him that she wanted to leave her husband, and Billy said that he would help her in any way she needed. He would be her friend. Jane contacted Billy and asked him if the offer still stood for his help. Billy said it was still an offer, and she asked Billy to sleep with her to give her husband grounds for divorce. I mean, it's a bit extreme, but I guess this is the only way she felt she could get out of her horrible marriage. So, of course, Billy said yes. I mean, who wouldn't? Free sex. (laughs) Billy and Jane moved in together almost immediately, and Jane got her wish. She got her divorce. Billy told Jane that he would protect her from now on and treat her well. So, a bit about Billy's past before I get into the rest of their relationship. He was born Lamont William Billy Stafford on February 13th of 1941 to parents Lamont and Winnie. He had four natural siblings and one adopted sibling. So very big family, but for the time that was quite common. His father was the owner of a very successful junkyard and scrapyard metal business. Billy started to rebel right away. He would help his father at the junkyard, and thanks to his size, he loved to torture his classmates and gained a reputation as a bully. He was a very big kid. He got very strong working at the junkyard, hauling scrap metal around. He was over six feet tall and weighed over 250 pounds. His neighbors were terrified of him, and most people stayed away from him. He drove like a freaking crazy person, ignored speed limits and any other rules of the road. He was also drunk almost 100% of the time while behind the wheel. The police knew him well. Anytime they went to see him, They made sure that they went in pairs and they were armed, as he was known to have loaded guns around. He hated the RCMP. He was well known as being a deerjacker. Now, let me tell you, I choked on my drink when I read that. Because what the fuck's a deerjacker? Well, let me tell you. It's definitely not the first thing that I'm sure popped into most of your minds, because I know it's probably what I was thinking. So deerjacking or a deerjacker is a form of poaching. It's the act of hunting and killing deer outside of season, outside of hunting hours, or without a hunting license. Frequently happens on the side of the road where perpetrators shoot the animal after shining their vehicle headlights or other bright lights, and that's that. So definitely not what I originally thought. (laughs) Billy married his first wife, Pauline, when he was 21. He was super nice and charming at first, but that was very short-lived. He started beating Pauline shortly after moving in together. They were married for six years, and she was basically pregnant the whole time and had five of his kids. He beat her every opportunity and even during pregnancy, and she almost lost one of the babies. 
He beat her so bad once that she went to the police and pressed charges. He promised her that if she dropped the charges, he wouldn't beat her anymore. So she dropped the charges and went back home. He continued to beat her, and the beatings were way worse this time around. He was obviously not happy that she went to the police and pressed charges. She never went back to the police and just kept quiet about the beatings and took them. He would be fine one minute and in a rage the next minute. Didn't mean that anything triggered him. He would just snap. He would kick her, punch her to the point where she would bleed. He even tried to drown her in a bucket of water. He would beat her with anything he could find laying around, including beer bottles. The poor kids were also beaten. He would beat his kids right in their cribs for crying. He was a fucking monster. One day in 1968, Pauline finally decided to leave him after he beat one of their daughters to the point where she messed her pants. Billy was out at sea for two weeks. That's where he worked. And that's when Pauline packed up the kids and ran off to Ontario to be with family. Once he got back, he beat the crap out of Pauline's mother because he wanted to know where she was. So Pauline called him. And he begged her to come back, but she said no. She stood her ground. I'm very proud of her. Said no and stayed in Ontario. I know it took six years, but being in a relationship like that, you are afraid. And I know a lot of people say it's easy to just leave, but that fear is real. The fear of him potentially coming after you and hurting you is very real. So I understand, but I'm very happy that she got out when she did. Billy met another woman named Faith who moved in with him sometime in 1971. They didn't get married. They were just common law married. He was super nice to her, but started beating her shortly after. Faith got pregnant in 1972 and ran away with her son Robert to Calgary after a bad beating that she received. Billy was suspected in the disappearance of a fellow crew member who went missing from the fishing boat they worked on. It's assumed that he pushed this guy overboard. This guy didn't know how to swim. You work on a freaking boat for weeks at a time. I would imagine that the crew knows how to swim anyway, and they never found his body. So now back to Billy and Jane's story. Jane said that Billy was kind and considerate when they first met and felt very safe with him. Her kids stayed with her ex-husband as Billy wanted Jane all to himself. He said that he felt her ex deserved to have to raise her kids after what he did to her, after hurting Jane. Jane wanted her kids, of course, with her, but Billy wanted his own kids with her, so they stayed with their dad. He found out that Jane was on the pill and was extremely pissed off and got rid of them. He flushed them down the toilet, I believe. I can't remember now. Jane became pregnant shortly after, in 1976. That's when his true colors came out. As they always do with monsters like this, they did not get married and they were just common law as well. So I don't know that he actually divorced his first wife and maybe that's why his second and third wife were just common law. There was no mention of him actually divorcing or his wife actually divorcing him. He wouldn't take her out when she got pregnant because he was embarrassed and pissed off that she would have issues controlling her bladder due to the pregnancy. What a fucking prick. He would make fun of her for it and was just fucking mean about it all around. On May 30th of 1977, Jane had another son. Billy was at sea and missed the birth. 
Jane named their son Darren. Her doctor recommended a tubal ligation as she had a very difficult birth. So get this, guys. Back in the 70s, the husband would have to sign off on an operation like this. So an operation that would make a woman infertile. They would have to sign off. So she had no right to just do it on her own. Wow. I am just so happy that it's not like that anymore because that's a load of shit. When he returned from sea, Jane asked him to sign the form for her surgery, but he responded with, quote, fuck that. You expect me to sign for an operation that makes you no fucking good anymore? What a sack of shit. Little did he know that she had already done the surgery the day before. Having him sign the form was just a formality at that point. I'm glad she went through with it before he got home because I'm sure it would not have happened after. Of course, he was extremely fucking pissed off and resented her for having the surgery without his consent because she took the power away from him. Jane told Billy that the doctor told her to rest for a few weeks after her surgery. She just gave birth and he told her too fucking bad. He wanted her to tend to her daily chores around the house immediately. He made sure to make a mess even more so than he did before, just so that she would have to clean up after him. They didn't have any running water or laundry at the house, so she had to do everything by hand. Billy belittled Jane and told her on a regular basis how horrible she looked. He was rough with her during sex, regardless of the pain she was in from surgery. And even after she had her stitches removed, he just didn't care. They moved from Charleston to Banks Falls in 1977 in the fall, where Jane began working at an old folks home to earn some extra cash. Billy was not happy about her having any form of independence, and work was just that. And he would steal her money from her purse. When she would confront him and ask him about taking her money, he would lose his shit and deny it. Up until this point, he had never hit her. It was all just verbal abuse and the rough sex, and I'm assuming it was not consensual. On November of 1977, all that changed when Jane had been out all day having pictures taken of her son and came home later when that was all done with some KFC for dinner. Billy yelled at her for being out all day because fuck her for being a mom and wanting pictures of her son. After his friend left, Billy beat Jane for the first time, accusing her of bringing dinner home just to impress his friend. This guy needs to find an excuse for everything. She does something nice and he turns it around and makes it something horrible. He beat her regularly and she was so afraid of him, especially when he was drinking. His beatings were worse. Her little boy was also afraid of his dad and would cower and hide from Billy. Billy hated that his son was afraid of him and would beat him. At one point, he beat him with a mop handle. Billy once fired his gun out the window and a bullet landed very close to Jane as she worked in their garden. He said he was trying to get her attention. He was punching his son for crying and split his lip after he fell. His son made a mess after a beating and Billy made him clean it up. He would repeatedly threaten his son by pointing a loaded rifle at his head. No wonder the poor thing was afraid of him. One of Jane's other sons, one of her older sons, Alan, who was 16 at the time, wanted to live with her 
as he wasn't getting along with his dad and he missed his mom so much. So he moved in with them. As soon as Alan moved in, he did everything to avoid Billy. Billy punched, slapped, and kicked Alan on a regular basis. One night, their young son Darren, the baby, the one they had together, was eating too slowly for Billy's liking. So Billy decided to force feed the poor thing his dinner, and then Darren threw it all up. Billy made him eat his vomit. The fucker even beat her dog for no reason. They all looked forward to Billy being out at sea. It was the only peace and quiet that they had as a family. They were even afraid to leave Billy because they feared he would come looking for them. Again, I can understand this from personal experience. That fear is very, very real. Jane tried standing up to Billy from time to time, but that changed. One day, Jane was bent over putting wood in their wood stove, and Billy shot his gun just above her head. So the bullet hit the wall just above her head, and if she had stood up, she would have been shot in the head. She began to fear for her life and was afraid to leave. Billy told her that if she did, he would shoot the rest of her family. I believe he probably would. And I know she believed that too. Billy said he was immortal, and his power came from the devil. Well, I don't know about immoral or the devil. Sorry, immortal. (laughs) Or the devil, but fuck, man. If I believed in the devil, he definitely was possessed by him. He didn't allow her to go to church or even reference it. I guess because he was in cahoots with the devil and all. You know, no church in that house. He had lots of violent run-ins with his neighbors and Jane's co-workers at the old folks' home. This fucker even punched Jane's father out. They were drinking together and Jane's father said something he didn't like and just punched him out. Just because. The RCMP knew him well and he hated them. He met his match with Constable Gary Grant. He was a big guy, towering over six foot three. Billy wanted to kill him one night after a run-in with the constable. He told Jane about it and he admitted to something else. From the book that I read, he had said, quote, One of these days, I'll get that fucker Grant. I'll get him alone somewhere and I guarantee you that only one of us will be coming out alive. I killed one man already and got away with it. It'll be a real thrill to kill that fucker. End quote. Jane asked him, of course, she was afraid, but curious. So she asked him, what do you mean you killed a man already? And he said, quote, do you remember Jimmy LeBlanc? He supposedly jumped overboard a few years back. Well, he never jumped. I threw him overboard. He made me mad and I threw him over the side and I'm going to kill Grant when I get alone with him. No witnesses, just the same as with Jimmy, end quote. Billy did horrible things to Jane sexually every time he came home from sea. Just a few examples because way too many triggers for me. I could not type a lot of this, but he would penetrate Jane with random household objects. He even forced her to perform bestiality with her dog. He did a lot more. Those are just a few examples, and I'm sure you guys can imagine. Jane believed police wouldn't help her. She feared that they wouldn't believe her. She was just too afraid to leave Billy. She was told to get a lawyer and press charges. She considered suicide because she felt this was the only way out. 
She even put a loaded gun to Billy's head when he was sleeping but did not pull the trigger because she didn't want the children to wake up to his brains splattered all over the floor. She even tried to hire a hitman, offering him $20,000 to kill him. She was desperate and wanted out of this relationship. On March 11th of 1982, Billy forced sex on Jane and didn't care that she cringed every time he touched her. Billy fought with his neighbor, Margaret, who was an older lady, and she really didn't like Billy and Billy didn't like her. He told the older lady that he was going to burn her trailer down with her in it. Billy wanted some money to go pick up some booze and told his wife that he wanted her money. She had said that she only had enough to pay the car insurance at the end of the month, but he just didn't give a fuck and took it anyway. He took her money, went to the liquor store with his friend Ronnie that was actually staying with them for a couple of weeks. They came back around dinner time, drunk and stoned with a five gallon can of gas that Billy said he was going to use to burn down the neighbor's trailer. After dinner, Jane had to drive him and Ronnie to a friend's place where he wanted to drink more. Around 8.30, Billy laughed about how he was going to burn his neighbor's trailer down and that she wouldn't get out alive. He also said he would kill Jane's son, Alan, so the 16-year-old, at the same time, that he would kill two birds with one stone. She said nothing. She was too afraid. She drove them back home. Ronnie got out and stumbled his way back inside while Billy slept in the truck, and she waited for him. He had always told her that she would need to wait for him if he was sleeping in the truck or else he'd give her a good beating. Jane decided to honk the horn once to see if he would wake up, but he didn't. Her older son, Alan, had heard the horn but thought that they were fighting in the truck. She honked the horn again, but longer this time. Alan decided to go to the door to see what was going on. He saw his mom in the driver's seat and Billy was passed out beside her. She had the driver's window rolled down and told Alan to get a gun and load it. This was not unusual as Billy would sometimes ask him for his gun after seeing a buck in the field close to the house. He loaded a 12-gauge shotgun and took it to his mom. At this point, she was standing outside of the truck and grabbed the gun and told Alan to go back inside. Jane walked up to the passenger's side and put the shotgun to Billy's head. She turned her head away and pulled the trigger. Alan came running back out after hearing the shot. She handed him the gun and told him to take it to Margaret's trailer so that Margaret and her boyfriend, Roger, could help them get rid of it. She asked him to bring her a garbage bag with a change of clothes as she was covered in blood and brains. She then got back in the truck and drove Billy seven miles away. Alan called his grandmother and told her to go and pick his mom up. Margaret and Roger broke the gun into three pieces and threw it into the Medway River nearby their home. They then cleaned up all the blood at Jane and Billy's house. Jane's parents found her walking along the road in the rain, carrying a garbage bag with the bloody clothes. Her parents wanted to know what was wrong, but she wouldn't let them know. She just wanted to get home. It wasn't unusual for her to call her parents in the middle of the night with wanting to be picked up. They just knew that their relationship was not good. They drove her home, and as they got closer, Jane had asked them to stop and said she wants to get out and walk the rest of the way. and. They 
allowed her. She said to Alan, Margaret and Roger, quote, it's all over. I won't have to put up with it anymore. I blew his fucking brains out, end quote. Billy's headless corpse was found in his truck the next morning. The inside of this truck was covered in blood and brains. The RCMP went straight to Jane's house and took her to the Liverpool detachment for questioning. They took pictures of the bruises all over her body and tried to get her to talk, but she did not say a word. She seemed very distant. The RCMP said that they knew Billy was abusive and that they also knew she had tried to hire a hit man. She still said nothing. Billy's father went in, and when he asked her if she had killed Billy, she admitted she had. Jane told her whole story about all the years of abuse and everything she endured with her life with Billy. Jane was allowed to go home as they didn't arrest her. She was eventually arrested and had to hire a lawyer. At some point, Jane changed her story and signed a statement saying her son Alan had shot Billy to save her life while Billy was beating her up in the truck. Jane and Alan were charged with first-degree murder on March 25th of 1982, and they were both locked up pending trial. Jane took a polygraph and failed when she claimed her son had pulled the trigger. They asked Jane again who pulled the trigger, and she admitted she had, so they released Alan. At trial, the prosecution did their best to prove that Jane had been planning for Billy's murder for some time, and they did a very good job of that. They mentioned her attempting to hire a hitman and that she had purchased some poison at some point. When it came time for the defense to present its case, they had a psychiatrist on stand and other victims that had suffered Billy's abuse, including his two previous wives. He argued that Jane had killed Billy in self-defense, and the jury agreed. She was found not guilty. After this and her release, she escaped to Ontario with her sons, but her lawyer did warn her that the Crown would try and appeal the jury's verdict, and they did. The judge's description of self-defense was, quote, too broad, end quote. The RCMP officer who had to deliver the summons to Jane in Ontario was extremely apologetic and apologized for having to do his job and serving her. She did not want to go through another trial, so she pleaded guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to six months in prison with two years of probation. She spent two months in jail. When she got out, she went to school to become a nursing assistant. She did get a lot of counseling and eventually got remarried. She became an advocate for battered women and struggled with depression for years after Billy's death. It's one of those things you don't get over. It takes so much and so long to actually get over a lot of things, a lot of abuse, and some things you can't get over and you just learn how to cope. She did overdose on pills and attempted to kill herself at some point as well. On February 22nd of 1992, a couple noticed a woman slumped over in the front seat of her car on the Halifax waterway. Police found the woman, and she was dead. She had a 38 caliber handgun in her hand. She was shot once in the chest. Sadly, it was Jane. 
Prior to her death, she had received multiple death threats telling her to quit advocating for women and speaking out. Some feel that she was murdered, but her death was eventually ruled a suicide. It is a shorter episode this time for sure. This was a story I wanted to do on my own. A lot of it was just too hard to read out. And for anyone in this situation, I know it's hard to ask for help, but you need to ask for help. Too many people out there get away with abusing others, and it needs to stop. The laws can only protect us so much, and they have changed a lot over the years. I have not kept up with them. I did for a very long time, but I know that things have changed quite a bit. If you're afraid to go to the police, speak with a friend, speak with a family member, have them go. Protect yourself, protect your children. That's it tonight, guys. Sorry for the downer episode. <laughs> it was bound to happen. I look forward to having a more upbeat episode next week with Chantal. And I will talk to you guys then. Good night. Good night.